If you're willing and able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Today's reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Follow along in your Bibles, or if you would prefer, is found on page 11 in our worship guide. Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom We have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Mike. David wrote in Psalm 56, verse 9, This I know that God is for me. This I know that God is for me. Can you say that? Do you believe it? Do you know what it means for the Almighty Holy God to be for you? And do you live in light of that glorious truth? This I know. That God is for me. In Romans chapter 5, Paul begins to rejoice in some of the benefits that are given to those who can truly say, this I know that God is for me. Benefits that we receive from Jesus our Savior, from justification, from being in a state of grace instead of a state of guilt. And everyone is in either one or the other before God. Either guilt or grace. If you're in a state of guilt, you are at enmity with God. He is your judge. He is against you. And you will receive the just punishment that you deserve for your sin. But if you are in a state of grace, you are at peace with God. He is your loving father. He is for you and you will exalt in the glory of God. Every person is either at war with God or at peace with God through Jesus. Either God is against you or he is for you. It's my prayer today that every one of you 
will enjoy and experience peace with God. That you will indeed be able to live in light of this glorious truth. That it will be true of you. This I know. That God is for me. Here's one way this would impact you. When you have peace with God, you no longer need fear, his judgment, or his wrath. You learn to live from his favor, not for his favor. You live knowing that you already have the favor and the love of God, not trying to earn it. You live knowing that God's smile is indeed on you, not trying to make him smile at you. Here's the main point of our text this morning. We who once were enemies of God now forever have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And our Lord Jesus Christ has fundamentally and irretrievably changed our relationship with God, with sin, and with suffering forever. And yes, that's redundant. I want to drive that point home. Our Lord Jesus Christ has fundamentally and irretrievably changed our relationship with God, with sin, and with suffering. So first, our Lord Jesus Christ has fundamentally, he has irretrievably changed our relationship with God. It has been done. It cannot be undone. In the first three chapters of Romans, Paul has argued that we are all guilty. In our, in our natural condition, from birth, we do not worship God. We reject our creator. We begin our lives worshiping created things. We sin because we are sinners. And our sin separates us from God. It puts us at enmity or at war with God. And our personal sin deserves God's holy and just punishment. His wrath poured out upon us and his day of judgment is coming. This is true of every person from birth. We are all born guilty. We'll see that uh, perhaps Lord willing next week as we look at the end of Romans chapter 5, but we have already seen that in the first three chapters of Romans. So our relationship to God from birth is one of guilt and judgment. God is our holy judge, and we are guilty. Look at the words that Paul uses in this passage to describe us apart from Christ. Before Christ died for you and saved you, verse 6 says, you were weak or helpless. That is, you were powerless to do any good. You had a lack of moral strength. Not only that, you were ungodly. Verse 8, sinners. You were not righteous. You were not good in the Lord's sight. Verse 10, we were enemies of God. Psalm 34 says, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. To cut off the memory of them from the earth. That is our natural condition apart from the grace of God in Christ. Our relationship to God is one of guilt and wrath. So your, your relationship to God apart from Christ is not one of love from a father to a child, but one of wrath from a judge to a guilty convict. Romans 1 says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And Psalm 7 
The word of God says God is a righteous judge, a God who feels indignation every day. What does he feel indignation against? It's against our wickedness, our evil, our sin. Psalm 11 says the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see. His eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Friend, this is a warning. This is a warning to all who are at enmity with God, who are at war with God, who are rebelling against God. Nothing could be more important this very day, more urgent than for you to humble yourself and repent before God's almighty hand and cry out to Jesus for salvation. Now, thanks be to God, many of you have indeed done that. And we rejoice in God our Savior today. Verse 1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So through Jesus and through Jesus alone, our relationship with God has been fundamentally changed. Instead of being at war with God, we now have peace with God. The conflict, the turmoil, the condemnation, the guilt have all been removed. They've been taken away forever. And in their place, we now receive the blessing and the favor and the love of God Almighty. So now through our Lord Jesus Christ, all that God is, he is for you. He's no longer against you. God is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. In his being, in his wisdom, in his power, his holiness, his justice, his goodness, and his truth. And all of that is now for you. How do we know this is true? How does this happen? How do we go from being at war with God to being at peace with God? Well, the scriptures tell us, verse one, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Or verse 10, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So we are reconciled to God through the death of his own son. Our relationship with God is fundamentally changed from being at war with God, being enemies of God, to being at peace with God, beloved children of God. And this comes only through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is because our sin, our guilt, deserved death. And God in his mercy and his grace gave his own son to suffer the punishment that we deserve, the punishment for our sin when he died on the cross, shed his precious blood, suffering the just wrath of God. Well, when? When did Jesus do this? When did he die for us? Consider this, beloved. If you have peace with God today, it is only because the holy God gave his own son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to die for you when you were living in active rebellion against him. That's the only way you can have peace with God is if Jesus has done this when you were rebelling against him. Verse six says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. The ungodly are those who do not deserve mercy. 
tonight. We encourage you to come back and join us for our evening service. Uh, Justin Kleiner will preach our final sermon uh, through the book of Jonah. And at the end of Jonah, the prophet did not appreciate how God was being merciful to the ungodly. Perhaps he had a moment of weakness like we all do where he forgot that he himself was ungodly when God was merciful to him. Beloved, you did not deserve for Christ to die for you. And there was nothing that you could do to merit that sacrifice. That's why it's called mercy. When you were ungodly. Verse 7, Paul says, One will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. So on rare occasions, on very rare occasions, even a created human being may die for a righteous, a morally upright person, or for a good person, someone that has done a lot of good. But God's love belongs in an entirely different category from human love. That's why verse 8 says, but God shows his love for us. He shows, or he demonstrates, or he gives proof of, the evidence of. Proof of what? His own love for us, in contrast to human love. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ did not die for righteous people. He did not die for those who've done good for others, but for sinners, for ungodly, unrighteous people living in willful rebellion against the holy God. So Jesus did not wait until you got better until you became good, to die for you. He died for you, beloved, when you were in your most unlovely state. And by doing so, he and he alone has fundamentally changed your relationship with God from one of enmity and wrath to one of peace and love. Beloved, through our Lord Jesus Christ, God is now for you. His favor is on you. You do have peace with God. Now, peace with God means that our Lord Jesus Christ has also fundamentally and irretrievably changed our relationship with sin. This has been done. It cannot be undone. Apart from the grace of God in Jesus Christ, your sin can only condemn you. It can only bring God's wrath and punishment upon guilty sinners always. No mercy, no grace, only perfect justice. Every wrong, every sin receiving its just punishment. God's word says that he will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So every sin, even the ones that no one else knows about except for you, God knows. He sees and he must punish. So apart from Jesus Christ, your relationship with sin is one of only guilt and punishment. But for the one who has been reconciled to God through the death of his son, what was that death for? It was that very punishment for your sin. So your sin, all of it has already been punished in the death of Christ. He has fully paid for all your sins with his precious blood. And so he's fundamentally and irretrievably changed your relationship with sin. Verse 2 says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. 
So, beloved, you now stand in grace, no longer in guilt. And the grace in which you stand is the grace of justification. Well, what is justification? It's an act, a completed act of God's free grace, wherein he pardons all your sins and accepts you as righteous in his sight, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to you and received by faith alone. So a couple of weeks ago, I asked you these questions. How much sin is in your account? None. None. And how much righteousness is in your account? The full, complete, perfect righteousness of Christ. So the grace in which you stand is the grace of justification. This is an abiding and immovable status arising from a past action. Not your action. The action of God Almighty through his Son. So now, beloved, you abide acquitted, accepted, loved by God through the past completed action of his own son, Jesus, dying for your sin. So think of this. Through Jesus, every sin, any and all of your sin has been forgiven. So before, what was your relationship with sin apart from Christ? Every sin laid on you must be punished, receive the just wrath of God. But now, In Christ, because Jesus has taken it all, there is no wrath, no punishment left for you ever. So what do you receive from God in Christ when you sin? God's grace, his mercy, his love, his compassion. Always, always. No wrath, no punishment ever. Christ has taken it all. There's none left for you. So God will not, indeed God cannot, It would be unjust for him to punish both Jesus and you for your sin. It can't happen. Now, you may face natural consequences for your sin. Sin brings pain and hurt to yourself and to others. God does discipline those he loves out of his grace, out of his love. There is a massive difference between discipline and punishment. And God does not punish his children. So now through Jesus, God is your loving heavenly father and you are his beloved child. You are no longer an enemy of God. Your every sin has already been forgiven. All your sins washed white in the blood of Calvary's lamb. You are justified by his blood. By whose blood? The precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now, you are never not justified. You might not always feel like it, right? Our our feelings may rise and fall. You might not always be assured of it. Assurance can come and go. Your faith may be strong or weak. Your love for God himself may wax and wane. But your justification does not. It's an act of God's free grace. It's done. It's finished. It's unchangeable. It's immovable. Through Jesus, your relationship with sin has been fundamentally and irretrievably changed. So now you have peace with God forever. No condemnation. God is for you always. And Jesus is coming again for you. The scriptures say clearly not to deal with your sin That's already been done. So we are so eagerly waiting his coming because he's coming for us not to deal with our sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Amen. 
Peace with God also means that our Lord Jesus Christ has fundamentally and irretrievably changed our relationship with suffering. It's been done. It cannot be undone. Before Christ, outside of Christ, apart from our Lord Jesus Christ, suffering can be punishment for sin. In fact, it may indeed be punishment for harm or hurt that you have caused to God or his people. For those who are at war with God, who are outside of Christ, those whom God is against, suffering has no redemptive purpose. If you are outside of Christ, your relationship to suffering is one of despair. You have no reason for hope, no reason for comfort. But beloved, when you are in Christ, if you have been reconciled to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, if you have peace with God, then beloved, your suffering is now meaningful. And it is never wasted. And the end result of all your suffering will be a net gain, never a net loss. Verse 2 says, through him, through Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So we rejoice in the glory of God. This is God's sure promise, our inheritance. Beloved, remember last week, you are an heir of the world. So we do not rejoice in suffering for suffering's sake. We rejoice because of what God is doing through it for his glory. He is working in us endurance and character and hope. He's making us more like his son Jesus and he is fitting us for eternity in his presence. It is this hope that has enabled God's people throughout history forever to endure and to rejoice in God himself. Beloved, our rejoicing and sufferings must never be disconnected from our rejoicing and hope of the glory of God. We only rejoice in sufferings because we know they are purposeful. They're serving God's purpose. So we know that God reigns over our suffering as his beloved children. So we know that every pain, every sorrow, every tear, every heartache, it will be turned. It will be used by his tender, loving, good, wise hand to bring about the greatest display of his glory. We rejoice in our sufferings because they have an eschatological orientation. They're doing something. They're being used by God to lead to glory. So never lose sight of that connection. That connection between your present suffering as a beloved child of God and future glory. For the child of God, for the one who has peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the road that you are on leads to and ends in glory. There's no other end to that road. You're going there. Yes, there may be troubles along the way, but every single one is used by God to result in glory. Remember last week, your carriage may be broken on that last mile. It might be hard, it might be painful, but you're on your way to inherit the world. So the end result, this is only for those who are in Christ 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, the end result of every suffering, every tear you shed, will be positive, blessing, gain, glory. For the one who has peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and for them only, every sad thing will come untrue. Everything will be more wonderful for having been so sad. So everything that comes into your life comes from the hand of the God who loves you, whose favor is on you, who is for you. Sin and suffering can keep you from enjoying, from experiencing the peace with God that you have, but they can never take it away. They can never change it or remove it. There's only one ending to your story, beloved, to to the journey that you're on, and that is rejoicing in the glory of God. You will be today, every one of you, who is trusting in Christ. We will be together with all the saints who've gone before. We will be with God's people, in God's place, enjoying his presence forever. And his eternal kingdom of glory in which righteousness dwells and all wickedness and evil and sorrow and death are cast out no more. So our Lord Jesus Christ, he's, he's fundamentally, he has irretrievably changed our relationship with God, with sin, and with suffering forever. These changes are permanent. They can't, you cannot undo them. No matter what you do, you can't undo the work of Christ. So we who were once enemies of God, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ forever. This peace with God can never be taken away. It can never be lost. Because look at verse 5. God's love has been poured into your very heart through his Holy Spirit given to you. Beloved, the Holy Spirit is God himself living and abiding in you. Right now, right here, he's with you to never leave you or forsake you. And he's not against you. He is for you. Verse 10. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. If God took the initiative to send his own son to die for you when you were his enemy? If Jesus willingly laid down his life for you when you were ungodly, you were helpless, you were dead in sin, there is zero chance. There is zero chance that he will not now save you, preserve you, bring you home to glory by his life, his resurrection life. This means Jesus lives. He's alive today, beloved, and he lives with you, in you, by his spirit, and you will live and reign with him. Because he is for you through his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's poured his love into your heart by giving you himself, his very own spirit. In fact, we could say there is a better chance that we could put together a football team from the people in this room right now and beat the Eagles tonight than there is that God would ever turn away from his people. That he would ever turn against you and not bring you home to glory. And I know some of you are thinking, wait a minute, let's see, we could get Teddy and Sam and Nate Hammond and Nate Rittenhouse and uh-uh. Zero chance, beloved. Zero, zero chance. And so, beloved, 
the struggling failure who trusts in Jesus. The suffering saint whose heart is broken. The one who's sinning again and again, yet turning to Christ. This struggling saint who feels like a failure is as much at peace with God, as much a child of God as the greatest hero of the faith. God is as much for the weakest, worst believer. Hold that thought, if there was such a thing. There's not such a thing in God's eyes. Those are judgments we make. Those are only judgments we make. But if there was such a thing, God is as much for the weakest, worst believer as he is for his own beloved son, Jesus. Jesus can cry out, this I know that God is for me. And you have every right to cry out the same thing. And it's just as much true of you as it is of Jesus. This is amazing, beloved. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, you are as much a child of God. You have as much peace with God as Jesus himself does. This I know that God is for me. Is that true of you? Do you believe it? Do you live like it's true? In Romans 5, Paul teaches us to rejoice in what it means for God to be for us, for us to have peace with God. I want to close by giving you three, I call them, well, I got it from another pastor, three G statements to help you remember and live in light of these truths. Here's the first one. God is gracious. I don't have to prove myself. God is gracious. I don't have to prove myself. Jesus has fundamentally, he has irretrievably changed your relationship with God. So you no longer have to fear his judgment. Jesus has taken it from you. And he has brought you into God's favor. God is now your loving heavenly father who always delights in you. So you can go forward today and live from his favor, not for his favor. God is gracious. You don't have to prove yourself. You do not have to prove yourself because Jesus has already proven you. He has made you accepted in the beloved. So God's smile is on you. You do not have to earn it. You live in light of it. And so because God is gracious and you don't have to prove yourself, when you discover a new flaw in yourself, more sin than you knew you had, it doesn't make you doubt God's love or hate yourself. It makes you stand in awe of his grace and his mercy, which is all the more precious to you. And because God is gracious and you don't have to prove yourself when you sin again, when you fall into that same sin over and over and over again, you don't try to excuse it. You don't try to make up for it by your performance because you know that your best efforts could never merit acceptance by God and your worst efforts can never jeopardize it. So you don't cover up your sin. You don't excuse it. You name it for what it is. You bring it to the light. You repent again and you see it nailed to the cross of Christ, washed clean in the precious blood of Jesus. And you rely once again on the Holy Spirit living within you to enable you to obey. You make every effort to obey. And if necessary, you can get help from your brothers and sisters in Christ. God is gracious. You do not have to prove yourself. Second, gee, God is good. I don't have to look elsewhere. God is good. I don't have to look elsewhere. Jesus has fundamentally, he has irretrievably changed your relationship with sin. 
So now sin can never condemn you, and it can never fulfill you. Only God can. Only God can satisfy the saints. Beloved, you have no good apart from him. Sin will never, ever give you what you hope it will. It will never satisfy you. God is good. You don't have to look elsewhere, and you don't need to look elsewhere. And then third, God is great. I don't have to be in control. God is great. I don't have to be in control. Jesus has fundamentally, he has irretrievably changed your relationship with suffering. So your pain will not be wasted. This will be the result of any and all suffering for the child of God. It will make you more like Jesus. You will receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And you will enjoy the glory of God. That's the result. That's what he's doing. So you can rest in his good, his loving, his wise, his sovereign hand. He is great. He is sovereign. He's in control. So you don't have to be in control. You don't have to be filled with worry or anxiety or wonder. You can trust him. So when you face suffering and when you face death, you can do so with peace because you know God is for you. And you know that through death, he's bringing you home to himself. You're going to a friend. This I know, that God is for me. Beloved, for you who are in Christ Jesus, you can say that. You ought to say that and to believe it. It is true. And I pray that you will live in light of that truth today. You will enjoy the peace with God that you have now and the peace with God that we will experience with all his saints forever in his kingdom of glory. Amen.